I'm blessed to be able to preach this message this morning, and, and I know this word will bless you as well. So I've titled my message here this morning is Final Push. And so for those that I haven't met before, I'm Eric Treese. I'm one of the associates pastors here along with my wife, Mary Jo. And uh, we've been associate pastors for a few years in this house, and I can't even remember how many years we've been part of Covenant Church no more. Uh, it just uh, the time goes so fast uh, when you're in ministry and when you're just when you're doing life together. And and I was just thinking about that this morning. I was putting my message together. It's like wow, it's the first Sunday of February already. It's like January just went so fast. And uh, you know, I just pray that those that are are continuing on in that fast, uh, that uh, you continue to to push through, continue to remain committed uh, through that fast until you sense the Lord uh, releasing you from that. And you know, we talked about it in December, we talked about it in the month of January, you know, at Breakthrough Covenant Church, we set aside the 21 days of January for a time of fasting and praying. And as Pastor Charles has mentioned before in other, in other messages, other Sunday morning services, you know, don't wait until January to fast and pray, but make fasting and praying a regular part of your walk with the Lord. Amen. And so throughout this year, if you're facing some uncertain times, some big-time decisions, or maybe it might be just small decisions, then I encourage you to get into that time of fasting and praying. Maybe at some point this, this year, maybe you're in it already, and you're feeling kind of down and feeling worn out. Maybe you're, spiritually you're just getting dried up a little bit. Things are coming at you too much. So I encourage you again, fast and pray. Those that are in ministries, currently in ministry, those that God is speaking to to start ministries, right? We met with a few people on Wednesday night. They're going to be starting ministries. I encourage you to fast and pray for that ministry, for the growth of that ministry. Those that are going to come alongside you in those ministries, have them fast and pray with you. Because I want us to understand what we do in this house goes beyond the four walls of this house. Pastor mentioned during our, our tithe and offering. What we do in this house during that tithe and offering is affecting nations. That is awesome. That it just goes beyond this city block. Okay, our ministries that we have, that God is speaking to you, the ministries that are already in this house, the ministries that are to come through this, this ministry here in this house at Breakthrough Coming to Church, is to affect nations. Amen? And this nation needs the Lord. This nation needs help from the Lord, and it needs the ministries, and it needs the church body to, that are committed to fasting and praying so that the impact is greater beyond just our four walls of our lives. So this morning, I want to speak again about that final push and the final push doesn't mean that once you complete that final push, there won't be another moment where you have to push through again and again. Okay? Let me explain this in the sports term. As a coach, I coach football on a very small level, but I coach football. And when I was coaching our Pop Warner team and and uh, in third and fourth grade, which we were pretty good, and uh, my son will tell you that as well. He'll back me up on that. But at practice, we would spend 75 minutes 
learning and understanding the fundamentals of football. Okay, in third grade, they're just starting to figure out how to tackle without hurting themselves. They're just trying to figure out how to hold that football. All right, the offensive line was, was a wreck. That was, that was beyond them, how to block, because it was like, I don't want to touch nobody. Right? But for 75 minutes, it's learning the fundamentals, drills after drills after drills. And then we took the last 15 minutes and of our practice after in the heat, right, first time putting helmets and pads on. You mean talk about third graders that complain that it's hot. But the last 15 minutes was our final push. That's where it got tough. That's where conditioning kicked in. Where we practiced, we had a water tower that our goal was after we do some conditioning, we sprint to the water tower, touch the water tower, and come back. That water tower represented the end of practice because we don't end practice until everybody touches that water tower. And it wasn't like from here to the wall over. It was a pretty good hike, pretty good jog. Some parents probably thought we were a little crazy as coaches, but I tell you, that conditioning, that final push, what did that do for those kids? It allowed them to gain strength when they needed the strength. Where in the fourth quarter, teams would get tired, but this team here rose to the occasion because they understood this is the final push. The fourth quarter is it. Everything's on the line. We got to push you, but they've been conditioned to do so. They have been disciplined to do so. And that team became the stronger team. That team was able to withstand the other teams trying to overcome us in that fourth quarter, but that team was strong. And so there's a, there's a powerful scripture, there's a powerful story that I want to share in Joshua 10 this morning. And this powerful portion of Scripture, there's a prayer that Joshua speaks. And it's a prayer that has never been spoken before. And even in the Word says, there's never been a day like this before. And so I'm going to read this morning in Joshua 10. I'm going to go from verse 1 all the way through 14. And I will admit, I am not a Bible scholar. My tongue gets a little twisted on some of these words. So don't crucify me if I mess up on some of these names. I extend a little grace, and uh, if you are interested, no stones, thank you. If you are interested in the actual uh, name of, or how you pronounce these names, I encourage you to study the word and, uh, and see how that goes for you. So verse 1, it says, Now it, come, now it came to pass when Adani Zedek, king of Jerusalem, heard how Joshua had taken Ai and had utterly destroyed it, as he had done to Jericho and its king. So he had done to Ai and its king, and how the inhabitants of Gibeon had made peace with Israel and were among them. That they feared greatly because Gibeon was a great city like one of the royal cities, and because it was greater than Ai, and all its men were mighty. Therefore Adonizedek, king of Jerusalem, sent to Hoam, king of Hebron, Haram, king of Jarmuth, Japhia, king of Lachish, and Debar, king of Eglon, saying, Come up to me and help me, that we may attack Gibeon. For it has made peace with Joshua and the children of Israel. 
verse 5, it says, Therefore the five kings of the Amorites, the king of Jerusalem, the king of Hebron, the king of Jarmuth, the king of Lachish, and the king of Eglon, gathered together and went up. They and all their armies encamped before Gibeon and made war against it. Your Gibeon might be your own home where the enemy is coming against it and there's an attack coming. Okay? And the men of Gibeon sent to Joshua at the camp of Gilgal saying, Do not forsake your servants. Come up to us quickly. Save us and help us for all the kings of the Amorites who dwell in the mountains have gathered together against us. So Joshua ascended from Gilgal. He and all the people of war with him and all the mighty men of valor. And the Lord said to Joshua, Do not fear them, for I have delivered them into your hand. Not a man among them shall stand before you. Verse 9, Joshua therefore came upon them suddenly, having marched all night from Gilgal. So the Lord routed them before Israel, killed them with the great slaughter of Gibeon, chased them along the road that goes to Beth Haron, and struck them down as far as Zakah and Mekedah. In verse 11 it says, And it happened as they fled before Israel and were on the descent of Beth Haran, that the Lord cast down large hailstones from heaven, and on them as far as Azekah, and they died. There were more who died from the hailstones than the children of Israel killed with the sword. Think about that. Picture that for a moment. God is sending a hailstorm down, and not one children of Israel was destroyed. It wasn't like they were parted, like, you're on this side of the room, and we're going to go on this side of the room. I mean, it's a battle. It's a war. They're fighting together. That's just how awesome and mighty God is. He's the God of miracles. Amen? I mean, God just moves. When he does some things in our lives, it's like, wow, I cannot believe that God, was, that God did that. Like, we are shocked. At least I am. I get shocked. Like, Lord, I can't believe it. Like I tell you, I wasn't here on Sunday. Last Sunday, I couldn't walk. I had to have my wife put my socks on my feet. My back was so jacked up. And I, even on Wednesday, it was giving me fits. And I'll say, I'm just like that. As pretty much as I finished my word for this morning. Like my, my back got better, and I'm like, okay, I feel good. Amen? And it's like, God just, it just blows my mind. It's like, thank you, Lord. Yes, you still answer our prayers. Amen? In verse 12, it says, Then Joshua spoke to the Lord in a day when the, when the Lord delivered up the Amorites before the children of Israel. And he said in the sight of Israel, Sun, stand still over Gibeon, and moon in the valley of Ajalon. So the sun stood still, and the moon stopped, so the people had revenge upon their enemies. Is this not written in the book of Joshua? Joshua, so the sun stood still in the midst of heaven and did not hasten to go down for about a whole day. And there has never been a day like that before or after that the Lord heeded the voice of a man, for the Lord fought for Israel. Amen. Amen. Verse 12 of that scripture, Joshua prayed to the Lord that the sun would stand still and that the moon would not move. And God answered that prayer. But I want to go back 
a few verses and focus on a portion of Scripture this morning that often gets overlooked because verse 12 is so powerful. We read in Joshua 10, and then we get to that part where Joshua's praying, and we just, we're just fascinated by that. But I want us to go back to verse 9. And I'm going to put up on the screen, I just like how the NIV has it. In the NIV version of verse 9, it's written this. After an all-night march from Gilgal, Joshua took them by surprise. And I want to bring some more understanding to that scripture. That when it says an all-night march, that some scholars refer that to an 8- to 10-hour march. Okay, this isn't a march from, from this facility to right around the corner to a local coffee shop, right? This isn't a march of just a, a handful of people who, wear, who are wearing the top-of-the-line hiking boots, okay? An all-night march from Gilgal to Gibeon, that took some time to get there. When I researched and studied it said that the distance was about 20 miles. When I map Quest 20 miles from this location, it puts us about in the middle of Oshkosh. So any takers this morning that want to go on a hike, it's at least a little warmer out today. But we'll put about 30 pounds of military gear on you. You think about that, they had their swords, they had their shields, they had their spears, they had their helmets. This stuff wasn't light like what we have today in our military where they have real, they have awesome uh, gear for our military men and women. That it's light, but it's strong. It's not how they built it then. It was thick and heavy. And it was probably more like 50 pounds. But just trying to get you guys an understanding that this march, this process, this push, was not easy. There was some effort behind that. And if that march of 20 miles wasn't bad enough, there was an elevation portion to it. And in my studies, the elevation was about 3,300 feet. Okay? That probably doesn't mean a whole lot to you. Anybody go to High Cliff? Been to High Cliff? There is a hill at High Cliff. That when we took our kids and we had a wagon, and I had to pull two of them up the wagon, I thought I was going to lose the wagon and watch them go back down that hill. But that is a climb. I can't imagine marching up that hill at there. But that is a climb. And my wife and I, we, we bought a, a treadmill several years ago. And I'll be honest, I have no problems running on that treadmill for five miles. It's a flat surface. I have no issues. I have good endurance. It may not look like it, Leah, but I am in shape. For a 40-some-year-old dude, I'm not doing too bad. But running five miles on a treadmill, as long as the incline is 0%, no issue. It's when that instructor, who gets a lot of spit out of my face because I'm huffing and puffing, decides to take that and go to 12% incline. And I tell you, whew, that burns. That's some effort. That's some work. But I tell you, when you get over that and you get through that, there's both a sense of relief that it's over (laughs) 
and a sense of victory that I didn't totally collapse on that treadmill and fall completely off. That's probably why I do it in my basement and not at the YMCA. I wouldn't want anybody to see that, me falling off on that treadmill and flying the other way. But there's, there's, that's hard work. It's a lot of effort. Again, the hardest part of working out isn't me running on a flat surface. It's when there's an incline. And so gotta, I want you to just really gather this picture and understand that it took some effort. There was some willingness. There was some grit and grind that had to make this march possible. And if the 20-mile hike, the, the, the march going up 3,300 feet in leather footwear with military gear isn't big enough task, now do it in complete darkness. No street lights, no flood lamps to show them the way, nothing to light up their surrounding area. All they could see is what was right in front of them. They couldn't look to the right or to the left and look out in the distance. Is there wild animals? Is there, is there another army that's coming our way? Are we going to get ambushed? There was none of that. An all-night march, eight to ten hours long. And you talk about going through some adversity. Talk about going and facing some stuff. And as the leader, Joshua also had to keep them focused. He had to lead them. This army was going to fight for Gibeon, who in chapter 9, when you read that, Gibeon tricked Joshua into a covenant relationship. And so then you have this military who's doing this march, fighting for somebody else, fighting somebody else's battle, who some are probably griping and complaining that we should have never gotten in this mess. And in chapter 9 and verse Joshua, when they made that commitment to Gibeon, they didn't even seek the Lord's favor on it. They didn't seek the Lord in prayer on that. They felt sorry because they were told that they're from a long distance. It's a great story. Read that. But before Joshua prayed, sun, stand still, and moon, do not move. In verse 12, he had to push through the night. This is the final push that we also need to make in our lives. Our faith to pray the impossible prayers is on the other side of that all-night march. Keep marching even if it is a long journey. Keep marching when the terrain of life becomes difficult. Keep marching when you can't see what is in front of you as it appears to be all dark all around you. And Paul talks about continuing to believe in when we can't see in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 7. When he says, For we walk by faith, not by sight. Which we all can sit here and say, Well, that's easier said than done sometimes. Amen? Let's be real. It's real easy to say that, but there are times where it's difficult to believe that Scripture. Because how do we keep moving when we feel like I'm not getting anywhere? 
How do we keep that vision in sight when it's dark all around you and I can't see it? How do we pray for financial freedom when the car breaks down, the heat goes out, and the medical bills start piling up? How do we hold on to the promise that broken relationships will be repaired when it's nothing but conflict? It's hard to hold on to these things. It's hard at times in our lives to continue to walk by faith and not by sight. And I want to address some of those questions by looking at the life of Elijah who Elijah didn't waver in his faith because of limited visibility. Elijah risked his life when he got into the face of King Ahab. I mean, you talk about a bold dude. Elijah was your guy. If you want to pray for boldness like Elijah, man, there's going to be fire coming out of your mouth. Because he had no issues telling King Ahab, because of your wickedness, because of the wickedness of this nation, there will be no rain for three years. And Elijah prayed that that drought, eventually he prayed that that drought would end. But it started with a sound. And let's pick it up in 1 Kings Chapter 18. Now Elijah is on the Mount Carmel. And this is where Elijah had a standoff between the prophets of Baal. And Elijah was pretty bold. And even told him, maybe you should scream a little bit louder because maybe he's sleeping. I mean, he's just a bold guy. And so the Lord does a miracle, as you can read in that, where the Lord sets fire in an area where it was just watered down. But the Lord still sent fire to that area. And then in verse 41, it says, And Elijah said to Ahab, Go up, eat, and drink, for there is a sound of abundance rain. There was no visual, just a sound. There was no weather forecast that rain is coming that way. It was just a sound. God's vision for your life, for your ministry, for your finances, relationships, work, whatever it might be. God's vision for you begins with a sound. And so when the servants reported back to Elijah that there is nothing in sight, Elijah kept praying. Elijah didn't say, well, maybe I heard something else. Elijah didn't start questioning himself. Often when things aren't working out exactly the way we want it or the vision is exactly what we thought it was, sometimes we get into these modes of, oh, maybe I didn't hear the Lord right. 
Maybe the Lord really meant something else or for somebody else. Or maybe the Lord missed that timing. Or maybe I did something and messed it all up. And we start abandoning that vision that begins with the sound. Elijah heard a sound of abundance rain. It wasn't a sound of a water drop. It wasn't a small sound that he had to make sure he really heard it clearly. If you heard the sound of abundance rain, that is what I imagine. That's what Joshua or Elijah heard. The sound of abundance rain is coming. And he told King Ahab, go. There's rain coming. And he tells his servants, he goes, Elijah goes and he prays. He tells his servant, go look. Is there rain coming? Servant runs off. He looks out in the distance, comes back. I see nothing. Elijah says, go back again. Take a look. Second time comes back. I see nothing. There's, there's nothing there. There's no cloud in the sky. The third time, fourth time, fifth time. At what point would we stop? But we got to have that final push. Number six was the final push. I got to push through some stuff. I got to push through adversity. I got to push through when in the natural realm, it seems to be impossible right now. I got to push through even though the report from the doctor tells me something else. I got to push through when my bank account is a whole lot of red and negative numbers. I got to push through because I know the promise of the Lord says, you will be set free from oppression. You will be set free from depression. You will be set free from your financial mess. That relationship will get healed. Now I got to finally do a final push. Final push. I got to push through this morning. Are you with me this morning? I got to push. Six time, comes back and says, and there's nothing. Elijah prays again, tells a servant, go look again. Because he knew, I know I heard from the Lord. I know I heard from the Lord. Ain't nobody going to tell me I didn't hear from the Lord. Seventh time, servant comes back and says to Elijah, I see the cloud the size of a man's hand in the distance. That's all Elijah needed. And he tells his servant, what? You better start running because here comes the rain. All I needed was a small moment. All I need was God to show me just a little bit. That's it. That's what I needed. You better start running. I'm telling you, when God answers your prayer, you better start running and rejoicing. Because it doesn't matter if it's a small moment. God used the cloud the size of a man's hand to send a monsoon to that place. I mean, think about it. When God had to give the super to Elijah's natural and his ability to run, so that he can outrun, you know there's some serious rain coming. Amen? We got to push through, even when our spiritual legs are starting to wobble a little bit, when we're starting to buckle at the knees, when we're getting tired, we got to push through the night. 
push through when you're starting to feel frustrated and nothing seems to be happening. And it's the sixth time in your prayer time. You're asking the Lord the sixth time about this relationship. You're asking the Lord the sixth time about this healing. You're asking the Lord the sixth time about the ministry or about the work or whatever it might be in your life. you got to push through to the end. Because you don't ever know, it might be the seventh time that you decide, I'm going to keep praying. It might be the seventh day on your fast and you keep praying. And all of a sudden you just see the size of a man's hand, a cloud that size. And you say, oh, I better get ready. I better ready my house. I better better ready my, my family. Because here comes a monsoon. When God answers a prayer, it's not a drip. It's not a drop of water. It's a monsoon coming your way. He says, trust me in this. And see not if I will open up the floodgates of heaven. And pour out so much more upon your life that you cannot contain it. Lord, I want that. I will go through that final push through. I'll push through the night. March on when it gets tough. Amen. Pushing through. And Elijah wasn't going to allow disappointment to stop him from pushing through. Because in verse 44, it says, As it came to pass that seventh time, that, that servant says, There is a cloud as a man, as small as a man's hand, and it's rising out of the sea. Amen. Amen. And I love verse 46. I don't have it up here, but for, verse 46. I love it when it says, Then the hand of the Lord came upon Elijah, and he girded up his loins, and he ran ahead of Ahab. Who was in a chariot? Put him on the track team. You think about that? He's up on the mountain praying. Ahab's down on the ground in his chariot. And you talk about putting God's super in your natural in that moment of time. You talk about there is nothing impossible for God to do in your life, whether it's physically, whether it's emotionally, whatever position you're in, in your family's life. When God says to move, you're going to move. Our heart's got to be ready for it. Our heart's got to be open for it. There's got to be that perseverance in our lives, in our spiritual walk, in our journey with the Lord. But there is a pushing through that we have to do. Some of us, we just want God's supernatural to come upon our lives and let me run as fast as I can without going through a process, without pushing through the end. Too many of us, we get comfortable and we say, I don't want, we don't want to go through some stuff. We'd rather just get to the end of the story. My daughter Leah loves to read the very last chapter of every book. How does the book end? Because she wants to know, is it worth my time to read the whole book or not? Makes sense. I would do that too if I read a lot. (laughs) But too many of us in our Christian walk, we just, Lord, if you just show me the end result. Can I just see the end result? Because then I want to determine, do I really want to go through some stuff? Do I really want to take my family on an all-night march? 
through some things when it's dark and I can't see and it gets tiring, it gets hard. We want to just see, is it worth it? And then we get frustrated when God's not showing us the end results. Because God is just saying, you need to start. We haven't even started yet. And we're already pouty. God, just show me the end. I just want to know, is it worth my time? Is it worth my energy? Is it worth the sacrifice? Right? But in verse 44, the cloud that size, even small beginnings produce huge results when the Lord is involved. You, think, you may think that your prayer this morning at the altar, your prayer this morning before you got here in service, your prayer the first 21 days of the fast, you may think that that prayer was small. And then maybe you're this morning, you're feeling that you're getting small results. But it's in those small beginnings that results in the floodgates of heaven opening up over your, over your situation. Think about every massive tree that you see. It started with a small seed, and it grew. Think about some of those forests that you see. I see pictures of in California. Those trees are just massive. They're so tall. But it started out with a seed that was planted. Your prayer this morning, your prayer this year, and years to come may seem small in your eyes, but that's a seed that you're planting. That small seed, or you may think it's insignificant, or you may think this morning, you may just brush it off like, oh, no big deal. That was kind of weird. I don't know why I prayed that. But that's all God needs, that small thing, that small commitment, that moment of time that you set aside for the Lord. That prayer will turn into an opportunity for God to send a monsoon upon your life. Amen? And I'm going to close with this this morning. Went back to Joshua chapter 10. And I want us to understand that that all-night march was a process. And too many of us, we want to skip the process and go right to the payoff. Because the process involves work. The process of that final push involves obedience. And we will forfeit the promise and forfeit the process because we get tired and faint in that process. But that process is invaluable. Because if God didn't think that you going through that process was valuable, we all be in heaven right now. Amen? So there's value in you going through that process. That all-night march takes work, absolutely. That all-night march takes a lot of prayer, energy, focus, absolutely. Even during that all-night march, even though you cannot see what's in front of you, you got to push through to the end. Either we believe that God is for us and not against us, or we just want to toss it off to the sea and try to figure it out on our own. I tell you, when God's involved, He will supernaturally give you that strength, that energy, that focus, that provisions will come for those visions. But we got to go through a process. 
God takes us on a process so that we learn and we understand. We understand who God is. We understand that through that process, we gain strength. And because I got through that process and I got through the other end, I can come alongside people like Cam. When he's going through a moment, a process, and he's struggling, I go in through that and I can team up with him. and says, Cam, we can get through it because this is what God did for me. That's my testimony. But he sends us through these processes, these moments of time, so that when we get to the other side of that, our faith is built up. Our faith is moving mountaintops. Our faith, our prayers, now that we, that we send out, that we pray, those seeds that were being planted, starts growing into mighty trees, taking roots. I want to encourage you this morning, whatever you're going through, it may seem dark, it may seem frustrating, confusion may be coming upon you. You may be feeling that you're being oppressed and that your joy is being robbed this morning because the journey's difficult. Push through. Push through. Because in Joshua chapter 10 and verse 8, the Lord says, do not fear that army. Do not fear those five kings. I've read it, handed them over to you. That was the promise and the vision that he gave Joshua. Now Joshua, go through the process of getting to that side. Amen? You may feel and understand and the vision for your life might be financial freedom, but there is a process that you got to go through. I think about my wife and I. Every year we pray for financial freedom. But there's a process that we got to go through. Because I would love to walk outside this building and there's a briefcase full of money. Who wouldn't want that? But what lessons will I learn? How, I will, how will I be able to teach my children what, how God provided in times of difficulties if I don't go through a process? Amen? How can I pray for healing if I've never experienced back pain before? So I experienced back pain. I got brothers in the house that were praying for my healing. I prayed for my own healing. I mean, I prayed. But now it's like I can pray for people and believe that their back will get healed. Because if God did it for me, he's going to do it for you. Amen? Love the song that's being sung, Millions of Miracles. Count your miracles. Because it reminds me daily. When I hear that song, it reminds me. That's right. I had to push through that night. Because on the other side of that night was my victory. I'm in that right now. I got to push through. Thank you, Lord. Millions of miracles. Amen. Between a promise and a payoff, there's always a process. Now, I'm not going to get into it this morning. I, I wish I had more time. But I want to encourage you. Maybe I'll get into the message another time. But in Exodus chapter 40, talks about the tabernacle and there were several things that Moses had to do. You can even go back as far as chapter 36 as they kind of constructed the tabernacle. Okay? And it got the verse 40 or chapter 40 and it says several scriptures 
Moses did as the Lord commanded. Moses did as the Lord commanded. Moses did as the Lord commanded. Go through it. And one of the very final scriptures down on the below, it says that Moses has completed everything that God commanded. The following verse says, the presence of the Lord came upon that tabernacle. Amen? A cloud by day. And there was a fire in that cloud that lit up the night's but because he went through a process and he did how God commanded him to do, verse by verse by verse, exactly what God wants to do. We may think we're smarter than God, but we're not. Okay, when I get into prayer and God is saying, you need to do this, and he starts laying out the vision, I have to be strict. I have to be obedient. Even when I'm going through and it's hour number seven, even when it's the sixth time of looking for the rain, I have to continue to be obedient and say, God, I know I'm pushing through. Amen? Because there's a process that I have to go through. Because I want the presence of the Lord upon my life so that I know, am I to marry that person? Am I, am I to get that job? Am I to do this or that? If the cloud moves, I know it's God. If the cloud doesn't move, I ain't going there. That's where I want to be. Okay, God, what do I need to do in my life so that my tabernacle can get built up and laid out according to your will and your design and your plan for my life so that your glory cloud can be upon my life. Amen. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this morning.